Hello, kamusta na? We've been meeting here on this podcasting platform now for the past six months. And what we've discovered is that many of our listeners, yes, that's you, stay for the entire conversation, sometimes almost an hour long. That is serious concentration span. As I like to say, nakakatalino yan, promise. That also means hindi kayo flitty or just surfing around the audio world. You're engaged in the conversation as listeners. So that's why my colleagues who produce this podcast decided to give you a special twist to mark our six-month milestone and turn the tables on the host, that's me, by allowing you to ask the questions and I'll do my best to answer them. Our podcast producers did a shout-out on social media and curated the questions for variety. So, here we go. So, ang unang tanong, galing kay Rainer Literal on Facebook, kailan mo napag-desisyon na, na gusto mong maging isang journalist? Uh, salamat sa tanong, Rainer. Sa totoo lang, grade 5 pa lang ako, natuklasan ko na okay maging journalist. Dahil nung grade 5 ako, napasali ako sa isang class project. Alam mo yung sa school, di ba? Minsan may ina-assign yung teacher na in this case, uh, gumawa ng class newspaper. Ano to ha? Wala pang internet, uh, etc. Talagang gawa-gawa lang sa, sa papel at kinakat out namin yung article nila, layout namin na ganun, mano-mano. Ano. Nag-interview ako ng aking ama, nag, uh, nag-research ako tungkol sa foreign news, tapos sinulat ko. Tapos ako ang isa sa pinaka-enthusiastic doon sa project na yon nung grade 5 ako. Ano. And then, uh, yung tatay ko kasi dating journalist din eh, bago siya nagpalit uh, ng profesyon. Ano. And um, napag-usapan namin yung journalism profession. Doon ko unang natuklasan na maaaring maging masayang profesyon ito <laughs> at uh, makabuluhan. So, ang maikling uh, sagot sa tanong mo, Rainer, is um, 10 years old ako nun, uh, grade 5. Uh, nag-decide na ako siguro. Uh, of course, marami pa akong pinagdaanan na pagmumuni-muni, yung magulang ko actually gusto na magkaroon ako ng mas traditional na profesyon, no? lawyer, doctor, diplomat. Pero hindi ako masyadong lumihis eh, doon sa aking ambisyon mula nung grade school ako. High school, nagsusulat pa rin ako sa school newspaper. College, um, nagumpisa ako sports reporter sa campus, naging uh, reviewer, naging reporter, naging crime reporter, <laughs> community reporter, tapos naging editor, and then tuloy-tuloy na hanggang graduate ako ng college, yan, nagsusulat na ako para sa mga magazine. Audrey Pelo on Instagram asks, Ano ang kinuha mong kurso noong nasa kolehiyo ka pa? Okay, thank you for that question. Kasi people in journalism, especially those who have stuck it out like me, have been in journalism for 33 years, are expected to have majored in journalism, no? I didn't. I didn't major in journalism or communication or mass communication. I majored in history with an intention of having a journalism career. So I was not intending to have a like a historian's career. You know, I was not planning to get a PhD and teach history. I really wanted to be a journalist. So the way I planned out my journalism education, and this is something I really thought about even before I entered college, I would study a humanities course, whether it's um, you know literature or philosophy, 
classics, languages, or uh, history, nga, or you know, even something like a social science, you know, like political science, and then do campus journalism. I would learn by doing. So I made sure I went to a university with a strong uh, campus journalism tradition, which is what I did. So I worked all four years for uh, campus media, and I majored in history. And I have no regrets about it. I felt that you know, it was strategically a good move for me because right now I, I still retain that hi- interest in history and my curiosity about history has been retained. So, uh, and I've used that, I think, to some effect in in my work, in my documentaries. And, you know, it. I think my background in history has been an, an advantage for me as a journalist because, you know, as, apart from the saying, you know, that um, journalism is history in a hurry, you know, and then the flip side yan is history is journalism in slow motion. You know? But apart, apart from those... Um, cliches. No? One major deficiency, I think, of a lot of news and media content is, is kulang sila sa context. No? Kulang sa context. And very often, context is what enables people to understand what they're reading, uh, especially if it's news. And among the most essential ways of contextualizing the news is through history, through background. Everything has a history. Every person has a history. You know, this podcast has a history. My, my laptop has a history. This, this microphone has a history. Everything has a history. Uh, so if you want to understand anything, you have to know a little bit about its history. Whether it's the tool in your hand, the house you're living in, the family you belong to, the street where you live, the community where you live, the country where you're a citizen, and the planet where we live. I mean, all of that has a history, all of that. And all of that is part of their context. And to me, it's the most important context. So, sorry, that's a really long answer to a simple question. Ano yung kinuha mong kurso nung nasa kolehyo ka pa? So, yun, um, I took history. Weng Baron on Instagram asks, Anong nakakatakot na pangyayari ang na-experience mo na as a journalist? Hmm. Well, of course, COVID. I don't know if I experienced that as a journalist. I experienced that as a as a patient. <laughs> um, but I produced journalism while I was a patient. You know, I did that documentary. So I was both patient and journalist. But, um, but if you're talking about coverage, I got caught in a firefight between Abu Sayyaf group that kidnapped more than 10 people and uh, the army that was trying to capture them. Uh, ako sa bakbaka na yun. Uh, that was very scary. That was the scariest. Naipit din ako sa ano, nag-cover din ako ng barilan between uh, police and uh, a robbery gang. Na medyo naipit din ako sa... Pero hindi katulad na nangyari sa akin sa Basilan. Doon sa Abusaya. Sa Basilan yun. 20 years ago this year. 2001 nangyari sa akin yun. So hindi ko malilimutan yun. Talaga nanginginig ako sa takot. Kasi tumatasik-tasik na yung bala sa paligid ko eh. And I felt like I was trapped along with other journalists at that time. Okay. Mr. Dot for Eyes on Instagram asks, Who my dream guest is for my podcast? I would say Barack Obama. <laughs> you know, I've read his books. Um, I've always admired him. Um you know, his presidency wasn't perfect, but he has such a compelling 
personal narrative, you know, and even beyond his being the first uh, African American president of the majority white United States of America, he has a very compelling personal story. He grew up without a father. He went through a lot of angst as a teenager. He did a lot of crazy stuff as a youth. He lived in various countries. He lived in Asia. I think it's the first American president who lived in Asia, you know, and then grew up in Hawaii. And he's a fantastic writer. Fantastic writer. I mean, he writes his own books. Walang, walang ghostwriter yan, no? I read his, his latest, no? Uh, yung kanyang, well, the first part of uh, his so far two volume uh, memoirs on his presidency. No? Great speeches. He delivered great speeches. Um, and he seems to be a nice guy. I've all, I also listen to his podcasts. No? He, has, he has a series of conversations with Bruce Springsteen, who is, I guess, another dream guest on my podcast. <laughs> but he would have to follow Barack Obama. No? But I listen to uh, their conversations. Uh, see, Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen, they had a, they had a podcast na silang dalawa lang nag-uusap about all kinds of things. Being a father, you know, uh, the role of being uh, a man in today's in today's world, you know, uh, machismo, uh, you know, civil rights, uh, race issues, uh, music, dami uh, nilang napag-usapan. I really enjoyed that. So yun, I'd love to that just just talk to him. Kung may interview niyo po siya, ano po yung question na hindi niyo palalagpasin na itanong? Well, una, I have to be honest. I, I you know, I, I want to ask him how he really felt. What was his reaction when our president said those really negative things about him? And did it influence his opinion of the Philippines? That's one. Number two, what does he know about the Philippines? What does he think about the Philippines? I'm interested in that because he grew up partly in Indonesia. So, you know, and our cultures are somewhat similar. Our languages are somewhat similar. It's hard to tell Filipino, you know, uh, we're, we're of Malay races, no? So um, it's hard to tell the difference between many Filipinos and, um, and Indonesians. So yun, anong, anong opinion mo tungkol sa atin? And how optimistic is he about our world? Because it's really gotten a bit nasty, you know? <laughs> um, you know, apart from the pandemic, you know, um, a lot of bad things have happened in the world. Yun. Marife Cariaga on Facebook asks, If you were to invite three people over for dinner, dead or alive, who would they be? Definitely Jose Rizal, Ninoy Aquino, and Andres Bonifacio. I would facilitate a discussion that would revolve around the question of when is armed revolution justifiable? When is armed struggle justifiable? Did Andres Bonifacio make the right call to take up arms? Did Jose Rizal make the right call by rejecting arms? Did Ninoy Aquino make the right call in coming home to try to maybe peacefully rally the opposition against the dictator at the time? So I would invite them over to dinner to ask them to reflect and revisit some of their major decisions in life, whether they have any regrets, whether they would do anything over again in a different way, and have them debate. Bago yung debate, ano po muna yung iyahain nyo? 
sa dinner. Meron po ba kayong ano, specialty or gusto nyong ihanda dun sa dinner? Ang ihahain ko ay tinola. Bakit? Kasi alam natin na isa yan sa paboritong luto o pagkain ni Jose Rizal. Uh, nabanggit yan, no? Nabanggit niya yan sa mga, sa mga liham niya at uh, sa mga libro niya, no? And then, of course, hindi ako yung mismo magluluto. Kukuha ako ng mahusay na chef, no? Para, para magluto ng tinola para sa kanila. Para, tanongin ko kay Rizal, ano ba, makukumpara mo ba to sa pinakamasarap na tinolang natikman mo nung, nung buhay ka pa? And then, pag-uusapan namin, you know, what makes a great tinola? Is it native chicken? What kind of chicken? How old yung chicken? Of course, nung panahon ni Rizal, so, siguro puro native chicken. No? Wala pa silang industrial chicken noon. Eh. Wala pa silang mga chicken na pinupuno ng chemical. No? And of course, kasali yan. Kasali sila Ninoy at uh, Andres Bonifacio doon sa pagkain ng, ng tinola. I'd still have to think about the dessert. No? Baka halo-halo. Marunong po ba kayo magluto? Ano yung best recipe mo? Marunong naman akong magluto ng koonte. Wala naman ako masyadong ipagyayabang dyan. Pero uh, natuto naman ako nung nag, nasa graduate school ako sa, sa UK. Uh, kasi nung bata ako, napakahusay magluto yung nanay ko. Eh. And she didn't teach me a lot in terms of cooking. I think she preferred that I just enjoy her cooking. But she taught me how to make breakfast, you know, fry fry eggs, etc. So, I actually taught myself when I was in graduate school in England because I did not like the food at school. I found it bland. And so, I felt that one key to my happiness, to my being able to survive that year overseas in a cold country where I didn't have many friends was to teach myself how to cook. Um, so I did. So, you know, I learned how to make uh, adobo, kare-kare, pancit, in addition to, you know, uh, things like steak, and roast potatoes, or pasta, uh, etc. So, uh, siguro, ang best recipe ko, dahil yun ang nagustuhan ng mga kaibigan ko sa England, <laughs> lalo na yung host family ko, kasi nag-board lang ako eh. I boarded with a family, a young English family when I was at Sussex University uh, near Brighton, England. Um, I did not live on campus. I lived in a rented room. Uh, I rented a room in a, in a townhouse with a young family. So I paid them a, um, a monthly rent. And I cooked. I had access to their kitchen. And I let them, you know, sometimes I would give them uh, samples of my cooking. And even the kids, the kids were at that time were like six years old and four years old. Uh, they love my lumpia and the sauce. Ako ah, hindi ko ipinagmamalaki to ah. I'm sure para sa Pilipino, ordinaryong lumpia lang to. Pero para sa host family ko sa England, na ito yung typical English family ah, na mahilig sa patatas, uh, etc. No? Uh, hindi sila nagkakanin, hindi, wala masyadong savory sa kanilang kinakain, no? Uh, sa bahay. You know, even yung sausawan ko na na lemon, kasi walang kalamansi doon, no? So, lemon, toyo, minsan may konting sili, or minsan yun lang, toyo, uh, lemon. Gustong-gusto ng mga bata, no? Sausawan yun ang lumpia. Pero minsan, pansin ko parang 
kinukutsara minsan ng mga bata yung yung sawsawan ko no parang wow parang gusto nila yung lasa ng sawsawan no so sabi sabi ko no that's a sauce no that's you don't you know that's not a soup no that's not a drink uh, you have to you know you have to dip your the lumpia the egg roll you you dip the egg roll uh, in the sauce and then you you eat it with rice uh, and they also like my fried rice pala um, so nagsasaing ako ng kanin and then yung leftover sinasangag ko and then gustong-gusto ng pamilya yung amoy ng bawang Tas, nagsasangag ako ng kanin uh, gustong-gusto ng pamilya uh, and you know at the end you know they told me I was their best boarder ever because <laughs> naka-experience sila ng kakaibang luto no to me it was just ordinary Filipino cooking uh, but to them it was something special no so just based on the reaction of this English family that I was with, um, yun siguro ang best recipe ko, yung, yung lumpia. Ronin Bautista on Facebook asks, You've done a lot of stories on Jose Rizal. Would you ever try getting into the hobby of collecting so-called ball pens ni Rizal or fountain pens? I never considered collecting... Yan, mga original Rizal memorabilia because I probably cannot afford it. Mah- mahal yung mga ganyan hobbies. <laughs> uh, siguro kung magbukod ako ng you know, substantial resources, may naipo naman akong konti. So, siguro kaya kong mag-collect ng isa-dalawa <laughs> na fountain pen ni Rizal. Pero I'm not, I'm not very organized. I'm a hoarder. no I hoard things from long ago but Hindi siya masyadong organized kaya natakot lang matatakot lang ako na mawala if I had anything that valuable. So wala akong I you know, I don't have expensive watches. I don't really have anything expensive. I never tried that hobby of collecting. I'd rather read about Rizal. I'd rather talk about him or write about him than collect anything physical uh, related to him. But thank you for that question. Si Kim Pawig Nagtanong sa Facebook, nanunood ka ba ng Netflix? Ano ang paborito mong show? Uh, sa totoo lang, paminsan-minsan lang ako nanunood ng Netflix. Nagpasya ako noon pa na <laughs> babawasan ko yung screen time ko. No? Um, kasi ang trabaho ko ay puro screen time. Eh. Uh, yung pagsusulat, yung pananood ng documentary namin. <laughs> yung pag-review ng show namin. So, bukod pa yan sa yung texting, messaging, Facebook, social media, etc. Ang dami-dami ko ng kukonsumang oras sa sa screens in general, na whether it's a, a laptop, mobile, TV. yon So, ang lifestyle ko is I try to maintain a balance between yung mundo sa screen, whatever screen it is, uh, kasama dyan yung Netflix and yung real world, yung physical world, yung natural world. no So, uh, kaya mahilig din ako magbisikleta, mahilig ako maghardin, mahilig akong mag, you know, magkayak, um, maglakad. Nasa labas ako palagi, outdoors. Kasi pag nasa indoors ako, madalas ang nakatutok lang ako sa screen dahil sa trabaho ko. No? Pero, Balikan ko lang yung tanong mo, nanonood ka ba ng Netflix? Yes, paminsan-minsan. Minsan, nanonood ako ng documentary na gawa ng iba. Maraming documentary din sa Netflix. And 
um, minsan, pag may nababalitaan ako na lalo na galing sa pamilya na recommendation ng magandang programa, um, sinubukan ko manood ng K-drama, uh, Korean show, yung Move to Heaven. So, nakaponood ako siguro ng uh, halos na buo ko yung season 1. No? Um, nakailang, nakailang shows na nako episodes. Uh, ang ganda ng concept, no? Ang galing ng acting. Uh, basically, I'm just curious. Uh, hindi naman ako talaga mahilig uh, manood sa, sa Netflix dahil tulad ng binanggit ko, eh, gusto kong may balance ako between uh, the physical world and the online, yung screen time ko, no? Um, pero dahil ang lakas ng buzz, eh, ng, ng Korean uh, content, eh. So, I tried watching uh, Move to Heaven and a couple of other shows. Pero yung Move to Heaven yung ang paborito ko. I just found the concept. Just the production values, the storytelling, the twists, the acting, even the, the script. I mean, if, kung pagbabasihan ko lang sa English subtitles. So, nagustuhan ko yun at nirecommend ko rin sa iba. Okay, Audrey D. Naisip mo na bang gumawa ng vlog? Kung oo, ano kayang content? So, uh, that's a video blog, no? Um, no, because I'm already busy enough doing documentaries, no? And doing this podcast. And before this podcast, I did a YouTube show that was called a podcast. But it was kind of a vlog in a way. It was an interview uh, format, um, but it had video. I'm quite happy with what I'm doing now, which is I do documentaries about once a month, which is the right pace for me and gives me time to to do other things. I I don't want to spend most of my day just producing media content. I you know that's what I've been doing for the past 33 years, or longer if you consider you know my college and high school journalism careers, <laughs> or even ng elementary ako ng grade five na bangkit ko na kanina na grade 5 ako nagkaroon ng interest sa journalism so I've been producing content since I was 10 years old I just turned 60 this year so that's what 50 years na ako nagpo-produce ng content no? so gusto ko magkaroon ng mas balanced na buhay ganun na lang too much media I think uh, is is imbalanced for me ang tanong ni Mr. Nice117 sa Instagram as a starting content creator, I still have doubts about my self-confidence. How to fix and boost it? Any tips? Thanks. Ang, ang masasabi ko lang, Mr. Nice117, is just try to satisfy yourself. Don't try to put pressure on yourself to please many people. I think if you just try to satisfy yourself, you'll gain experience, you'll gain practice, you'll just become better at it. And experience usually creates self-confidence. Eh? So, sa, sa umpisa talagang natural na may, may doubts ka uh, sa yung abilidad. No? Kasi uh, beginner, eh. kahit, anong, kahit anong sinisimulan, uh, whether you're playing you know, an instrument for, you know, as a beginner or a beginner in a sport, uh, syempre wala ka masyadong self-confidence. Di ka pa magaling, eh. di ka pa marunong. Eh. Pero as you gain experience, gagaling ka rin. And that will produce more self-confidence. So just, pagsagaan mo lang. Be patient with yourself. And gain experience. Gain experience will increase your skill and will increase your self-confidence. Naranasan nyo rin po ba to nung when you were starting? 
nung pumasok na kayo sa professional talaga na journalism? Yung doubts? Yes, doubts. Wala po kayong confidence. Sa totoo lang, I still have doubts. Not only as a beginner, <laughs> I have doubts. I have uh, what you call or what I like to think is a healthy discontent. No? Kasi pag wala kang, nang, wala kang doubt sa sarili, parang yabang na yung tawag dun eh. Diba? So, sobra naman yung self-confidence mo na parang akala mo sobra ka nang magaling na hindi mo na kailangan pagdudahan yung galing mo. No? Um, I always have doubts and that leads to, I guess, my being... Fussy about details. I'm not going to say I'm I'm talented or I'm good. I'm skilled based on something I did 10 years ago or five years ago or last year. It all depends on how I did the last time. And if I felt that I didn't do well the last time, and I I begin to doubt that you know I may be losing it. I may be you know over the hill or I you know, I may be getting too old. That motivates me to put in even more effort the next time, to do, try to do better the next time. I, I've always had that attitude, regardless, you know, whether it's work, whether it's anything else. Um, and that's really helped me. Um, so I think it's always good to maintain a healthy discontent. Of course, I say healthy because there's, there's also an unhealthy discontent when you're, you know, that leads to anxiety, that leads to, you know, being neurotic or even depressed, you know. But if you're if you have a healthy discontent, it's simply parang a feeling that you could have done better. It wasn't, you know, your last work wasn't so bad. Not it doesn't you know, it doesn't mean you have to lose sleep over it. And even if it was bad, you have a chance to bounce back. And the way to bounce back is to examine yourself, examine your previous work, do your own personal post-mortem and identify where you could have done better and just, you know, vow to yourself that you'll do better the next time. That's why it's important to have a very active internal life, you know, where your perception of yourself and your your feeling or your mood is not totally dependent on how others interact with you or how uh, others um, perceive you. But um, you know, you you always have to have these conversations with yourself. That's what I mean by having an internal life. It's basically called reflection, you know, in other words. <laughs> You're reflecting. And I think it's important to set aside time for that, to have these reflections or these internal conversations with yourself about, you know, whether you did the right thing, whether you made the right choices, whether you have the right priorities, whether, you know, you know, that le- that last work, that latest work you did met your own standards. And if it didn't, then, you know, reflect on what you could have done better and just do better the next time. Marife Karyaga on Facebook asks, what is one thing you haven't done but would love to try at least once in your lifetime? Hmm. 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 That's a good question. You know, I, I, I've lived long enough to have accomplished a lot of what I wanted to do when I was young. You know, travel, you know, travel to faraway countries. You know, I've been to Africa, you know, I've been to Australia. And to travel to remote places in the Philippines, I've done that as well. I've been to Tawi-Tawi, I've been to Batanes. You know, there are many things I haven't tried, but that doesn't mean I'd love to try them. <laughs> you know, I've never tried skydiving, but I'm not very excited about doing that. I've done a lot of things already. You know, I'm a diver. I've, I've biked in various places in the world. So, I've 
I've been to a lot of countries. I've been to the Middle East. You know, I wanted to do that. I've done it. I wanted to do result documentaries in Europe. Nagawa ko rin yun. Ah, okay. Yon. I'm working on it though. I'm actually writing some books. <laughs> yon, yon. Uh, but I've done I've done that already. I've produced books when I was in my 20s and 30s. Um, nakagawa ako ng mga libro. But gusto kong balikan. So I, I want to compile some of my writings. I want to write a book about COVID since I'm always asked about it. <laughs> I want to write a personal memoir about this time because I don't know if any Filipino has has done a, a COVID memoir yet. Um, overseas, people have done memoirs, but not not here. And I think it's it's important um, to memorialize what um, what we've all gone through. What are you reading right now? What is one book that everyone should read? I read several books simultaneously, so I'm a bit scatterbrained when it comes to reading. I no longer read one book at a time. <laughs> when I was young, very young, I would just read an entire book in one sitting. Napapagalitan ako ng nanay ko dahil hindi ako lumalapit sa mesa para mag-dinner kasi gusto kong tapusin yung libro. So, ngayon, I'm so distracted that I jump from one book to another, go to, you know, I and then I listen to audiobooks. Right now, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I have an audiobook of a botany textbook, okay, botany. It's a botany professor reading from her own book. So it sounds like a lecture, so she's lecturing. I'm interested in plants kasi now, eh? um, and I garden. I also plant trees. I'm interested in native trees and plants. So I want to learn more about it. I don't want it, I want it, I want to learn about it in a serious way. So I have to learn botany. It's not just how to take care of plants. I want to learn the science of botany no so yon uh, but it's not everything i read is serious i'm also reading my heart underwater by laurel flores pantauzo pantauzo italian filipina american it's about a teenage lesbian or a lesbian teenager and her struggles to come to terms with her sexuality her gender well of course you know i wouldn't even recommend you know i'm I'm a great fan of Rizal, no? Um, but I realize that Noli Mitangere and El Filibusterismo are difficult books to read. So I would recommend the biography of Rizal written by Austin Coates. Gosh, when I when I read that as as a young person, I cried. Uh, and it really made me feel for him. It made me it made him so human. It made me love him, made me love Rizal. Um, that biography. So it wasn't it wasn't the novels. The novels I found difficult. You know, they're complicated stories. No, daming characters, daming plot twists, daming nangyari. Pero yung buhay ni Rizal was so inspiring. No, far from perfect, di ba? I mean, may pagkapikon din siya, di ba? Um, he he broke hearts. Meron siyang binabasted na babae, etc. You know, not always kindly. Mayroon siya nakakaaway ng mga, mga tao. May, may mga falling out siya sa mga kaibigan, etc. But it made, it made me, you know, made him very human. It made me, you know, admire him even more and relate to him, you know. So, yon uh, that's another book that I would, I think every everyone should read. Even non-Filipinos, 
you know, there are very few persons in history like Rizal anywhere in any country. I mean, name one. Diba? What? Thomas Jefferson? Sa America? Leonardo da Vinci? Diba? Matatalino sila, but did they have the heart of Rizal? Diba? Did they have the twists and turns of his life? Diba? Did he show that much devotion to a single cause? Diba? Thomas Jefferson was a slave owner. Leonardo da Vinci was not a nation builder. He was a genius, but he was not a nation builder. Rizal was a genius, but he was a nation builder. No? So, bihira yung ganun. Yeah? Maybe Sun Yat-sen? Maybe. Paano ka natuto magsulat gamit ang baybayin? Pwede po paturo. Well, may mga nag-introduce sa akin. Nagkaroon ako ng interest sa baybayin nung gumawa ko ng documentary tungkol sa ancient Philippine writing which wasn't necessarily baybayin no uh, kasi may na-discovery na sulat sa isang stone no so isang malaking bato bato sa Masbate at pinakita ko sa mga eksperto para subukan nilang isalin no sa wika natin doon ako nagkaroon ng unang interest and then uh, nagkaroon ako ng mga kaibigan na marunong nainggit lang ako nainggit ako and so um sinubukan kong mag-aral by uh, teaching myself no yung yung parang parang grade school style yung paulit-ulit kung sinusulat yung yung mga characters niya pero hindi pa rin ako natuto eh siguro dahil matanda na yung brain ko no hindi siya siguro ganun ka absorptive na pero nung nagkaroon ng keyboard apps nakadiskubre ako ng keyboard apps para sa aking iPhone yon na uh, may kodigo yon uh, napabilis yung pag uh, pagtuto ko and um, ngayon uh, memorize ko na yung uh, iba't ibang characters ng baybayin and i also know the history a bit of history of baybayin um yung different fonts different styles of baybayin pwede po paturo yung isa pang tanong uh, sure sometimes i give free online lessons to anyone uh, i announce it on facebook lalo na nung quarantine pa ako nung nagre-recover ako sa covid no para hindi ako masyadong mabore maging malungkot uh, I would teach by buying online. And now, um, medyo nakilala ako as, as a by buying uh, advocate. So, minsan nakukumbida ako magbigay ng talk sa schools, minsan sa companies, even, or organizations, teachers, etc. So, I, I rarely decline because it's something I want uh, people to know, especially Filipinos. Mary Joy Amaka asks on Facebook, Ano pong unang naramdaman nyo nung nagka-COVID kayo at ano po yung una nyong ginawa nung nakaramdam na kayo ng mga sinyales na may COVID na pala kayo? Okay, wow. Thank you for that question. Ang una kong naramdaman ay meron ako mataas na lagnat na ayaw bumaba kahit lumipas na yung ilang araw, hindi pa rin bumababa. Anong una, akala ko at siguro yun din ang wish ko na trangkaso lang. Kasi masakit yung katawan ko, um, masakit ang ulo ko, meron akong mataas na lagnat. Iniisip ko, hindi lang wish, parang I was sure na, na trangkaso lang. Kasi wala pa akong kilala na masyado. Ha, na, kasi ano to eh, very early in the pandemic, wala pa akong masyadong kilala. Or alam na nagkaroon ng COVID. So, sabi ko, so, so, sobrang mamalas kung, kung nagka-COVID ako. Siguro ano lang to, trangkaso. Pero, nag-isolate ko agad ako sa bahay. Um, Hindi na natulog yung asawa ko sa bedroom namin. Doon na siya natulog sa ibang kwarto. 
at ang pagkain ko ay iniiwan niya sa labas. Hindi raw siya humihinga pagkailangan siyang pumasok sa kwarto. Yung mga panahon na yon, hindi mo masyadong uso yung nagpe-face mask eh. Kasi March 2020, ako nagkaroon ng symptoms. And then, nakumpirma na, na naman nung nasa ospital na ako na COVID pala yung aking sakit. I guess, um, yung pinaka-advice ko is kapag may naramdaman na kayo na maaring COVID yan, mag-isolate ka na. Kahit hindi ka pa sure, kahit wala ka pang test, kung inuubo-ubo ka, kung marami kasing senyales yan eh, ano, mawawalan ka ng taste at smell, no? um, yan ang pinaka-sure. Kasi ang lagnat, pwedeng ibang sakit yan eh. Pero kahit lagnat, mag-isolate ka na. Konting ubo, isolate. Konting sipon, isolate. Masakit ang ulo, isolate. Diarrhea, isolate. Masakit ang katawan, isolate. Para hindi mahawa yung mga mahal niya sa buhay. Who is the kindest person you know? Okay, I don't mean this to be sip-sip, ha? but I think it's my wife, Ipat. And of course, I don't need to say this. I'm biased, etc., etc. Um, you know, she's the person I chose to marry. So if she were not kind, uh, I would not have married her. But I've realized after being married for so long to her that she's really the kindest person I know. Uh, number one, um, she she tolerates me. <laughs> um, she forgives me for um, she doesn't she doesn't harbor grudges. She doesn't remember past faults. She doesn't revisit past conflicts, etc. And I find that a sign of kindness. And I'm convinced now of that more than ever, ever since she gave me just her full support when I was, you know, critically ill, when I was very ill with COVID, uh, very lonely time. She walked me through some meditation exercises for like hours at a time on the phone. Hours. Imagine. I mean, I needed it. Imagining on her part, it must have stressed her out. And it was like serious time spent with me. You know, there are other things she could have been doing. But she understood that my emotional and mental well-being was very important to my physical recovery. So, you know, she was a psychology major in college and she still retains uh, interest in psychology and mental exercises and... You know, she's done a lot of workshops. She's done theater workshops where there's a lot of these, you know, mind exercises. And so she remembered a lot of this and she walked me through um, a lot of these meditation exercises uh, when I was ill. And I think that really helped a lot. So uh, this is something I share uh, with others. You know, I mean, not, not, not the fact that my wife is so kind, but uh, the importance of emotional and mental wellness in a person's physical recovery especially from covid because covid is different from other illnesses because it's very lonely you're all alone with other illnesses you can have companions in the room you can you can receive visitors the hospital workers the nurses the doctors can stay longer with you with covid nobody can stay long with you they're in a hurry to leave you all alone so it can be very, very difficult, you know. So it's very important for someone to stay in touch with you, at least on the phone or an iPad, etc. All right, podcast listeners, uh, thank you for all your questions. I really enjoyed answering them. If you have any more questions, just post with the hashtag AskHowie. But please, don't order any lumpia. 
yet. I'm not ready. Let us know who you want us to guess next time. Subscribe to the Howie Severino podcast for new episodes. Thank you to Meg Pamiloza for producing this episode. This was edited by J.R. Magtoto. Till the next pod, mabuhay po kayo at ingat lagi. Music